Sorry to break up your conversations. <laughs> I'll just let you. Hello. Sorry to break up your conversations. It sounds like everyone's having a great chat. Okay, to start off today, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a laugh. So I've got a few photos to show you. I'm hoping this will work. That's the first one. Can anyone guess who that is? It is me, yes. That's me when I was about two. Um, most, these photos are like taken, like on my phone, taking a photo of a photo, so they're not the best quality, but that's me. I showed it to my youngest Hope a few months ago and she thought it was her, so it was funny. So this one is even more embarrassing. <laughs> yes, that's me also. And I'm feeling quite aggrieved with my mum who let my, her hairdresser, who is also her friend, cut my hair like a boy. Like, why do they do that? But anyway, that's me when I was starting big school at 11 years old. And I did get called a boy a few times, so that was even more annoying. And I instantly was letting my hair grow. Okay. Ugh. So that's, um, it was our wedding anniversary last week, so I hoped out the album and took a picture of a picture, so that was um, the best I could do. And we got married in the year 2000, so Paul's got no excuse to forget how many years, 14 years, so that was nice. Um, that's us on our wedding day, obviously. And the last one is, that was, so the, um, the first one I'm saying was me when I was two, the next one I was 11, that was obviously my 20s, and this was my 30s, this was the day after Hope was born, our third born, and I did choose this picture before I knew my dad was going to be here, but he is here, and I thank him for his encouragement, so that's three generations, obviously, of our family, so... Why am I showing you gratuitous family photos of myself at different life stages? There is a reason for it. Um, this is me as a person growing up. That was me as a tiny. That was me as, um, you know, going into my teenage years then in my 20s and my 30s, from childhood to adolescence to adulthood. And we've mentioned before that when Paul was praying for us as a church at the start of this year, the words that he felt like God gave for him to him for us as a church were grow up. You know, and as individuals and as a group of people, we need to grow up. You know, and as a church, Carrick Vineyard, we've been going now for three and a half years. And we can't stay the same. You know, we need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to change. And that's true for us as people as well. You know, no matter how old we are, whether we're six, we're 16 or we're 60, there's always things that we can grow up in. There's always areas that we can mature and change. So um, in those photos, it was really obvious that I was growing up. I was getting taller, bigger, all the rest of it. My hairstyle was changing, thankfully. And, and we got our kids' school photos last week, um, the three of them together. And it's always funny, isn't it, if you've got kids looking at the photo and comparing it to last year and seeing how they've changed and grown up. And we're very complex human beings. Um, it's not just our bodies that grow up and change. We're made up of body, soul, and spirit. And soul, you can see in this wee diagram, hopefully consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions. We also have our spirit, which as Christians we believe connects with God. 
So not only do we need to grow up in our body, but we also need to grow up in our soul and in our spirit as well. And we also see this in the Bible. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And growing up, you know, it's not just something that Paul had some crazy thought or he felt like God said. It's, it's in the Bible. It's something we're called to do. And this verse in 1 Corinthians says, When I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or woman, I put the ways of childhood behind me. We're urged to grow up in our salvation. You know, if we're on a journey with Jesus, we're getting to know him more. Hopefully we're ever changing, we're ever growing. And that's a challenge to all of us all of the time. You know, are we desiring more of God? Do we sense ourselves growing up? You know, it says here, crave like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. You know, and I was talking about our kids' school photos and you look at one year photo and you look back and you say, oh, they've grown up, they've changed and all of that. If we're to take a snapshot of ourselves today as if we were getting a school photo and we look back or next year we took another snapshot and we look back, you know, have we changed physically? Probably. But have we changed in other ways? Are we growing up? You know, it may be obvious that our bodies changed, but has our minds changed? Our will, our emotions, has our spirits changed? Have we grown up in our soul and in our spirit? So we believe that we're fully integrated human beings made up of body, soul and spirit. And we need to grow up in all of those areas. And that's just a little bit of what I want to share today. So some of us are good at looking after our bodies. <laughs> It was quite fun researching this slide. Um, but sometimes we neglect our heart and our soul. You know, and in our churches in the last 20 or 25 years, um, I think we have learned again to be open to the Holy Spirit. You know, that's one of the things we say, come Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You know, there's been a real return to that in our churches. And in Vineyard, that's something that's really important to us, you know, we try to walk the radical middle of being faithful to the word of God, but at the same time, being incredibly open to the Holy Spirit. We hold those things together and we, we walk that middle line. Um, and I studied counselling a few years ago um, and my tutor, Andrea Wigglesworth, as well as being my course tutor, she's also an incredible Bible teacher and Christian leader. And I just loved hearing the Bible teaching that she gave us on the course. And she was, you know, saying about this, you know, how we're so open to the spirit in some of our churches and how fantastic that is. But she said the danger is that we raise a generation of poor wee souls. So we emphasize the spirit and we forget about our souls. And some of you probably knew that, I think, that hymn, Is It Well Within Your Soul? I'm not going to attempt to sing it, but they're very powerful words, aren't they? Is it well within your soul? How are your mind, your will and emotions? And it says in 1 Peter 2, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. There is a war going on for our souls. We need to be aware of that. And we need to know that we need to grow up in the realm of our soul as well as our body and our spirit. Has anyone seen the film The Apostle? No. Didn't think 
בסדר. Right, since no one's seen it, I'm going to basically tell you whole, the whole story, so you won't need to watch it now, okay? So this is just a wee story, it'll take a wee minute. The Apostle is a film that was released in 1997. It's a powerful movie about a Christian leader called the Reverend Eulis Sony Dewey. He's played by Robert Duvall, maybe some of you have heard of him. It's set in the 1980s in rural Texas. The movie opens with Sonny, Sonny and his mother driving down a highway and they happen upon a multi-car pileup accident. Slipping past the state trippers, Sonny approaches one of the smashed cars to find a bloodied, semi-conscious young man in the driver's seat, with his girlfriend lying dead beside him. Sonny, passionate for Jesus, whispers in the man's ear that if he will invite Jesus into his heart right then and there, God will forgive his sins and he will be able to go to heaven. The state trooper attempts to drag Sonny from the car wreck, but the preacher pushes him away with his arm as he finishes the work of leading this dying young man to Christ. He returns to his car and reports to his mother about the good work God has just done. Sonny spends most of his time on the road leading revivals. Spiritual passion permeates his life. He loves his children, his beauties as he calls them. Meanwhile, his beautiful but long-suffering wife Jessie grows tired of both his adulteries and her being alone. She asks for a divorce. It turns out she is also having an affair with the youth pastor at church. She and the youth pastor, using church bylaws, soon wrest control of Sonny's congregation away from him. In a moment of jealous rage, Sonny gets drunk and attacks the youth pastor with a baseball bat while the youth pastor is coaching his son's game. Eventually, the youth pastor dies. Meanwhile, Sonny leaves town, destroying his old identity and setting off to find a new life. He stops his car in the middle of an intersection, gets down on his knees in the roadway and asks, which way, God, which way? He soon resurfaces in a small community in Louisiana. After sincerely seeking God through prayer and fasting, he perceives a new calling and direction from God, bearing the name and title of the Apostle E.F. With mesmerizing sincerity, he baptizes himself in a nearby lake as a way of commemorating this new beginning. With the help of a respected local African-American pastor, he begins a new church. He works multiple jobs in order to pay for a dilapidated enclosed church facility. He, he starts a radio ministry, fixes up a used bus, and begins picking up people to attend church, both African-American and Anglo-American. His relationship with God is infectious. The church prospers. People come to faith in Christ. He feeds the hungry. The community is impacted. The small racially mixed congregation loves his zeal and preaching. Underneath his impressive faith, though, ugly gaps remain and erupt in his spiritual formation. While starting the new church, he meets Tusi, a woman who works in the radio station. She draws his romantic affections. He also gets in a fist fight with a troublemaker who questions his integrity. Eventually, the authorities catch up with the tragic mistake in Sonny's past. The police arrest him. He's sent to jail. But even in prison, we see Sonny enthusiastically leading a chain gang in a Christian song so that they too might know the powerful Lord Jesus who changes lives. Sonny has a temper. He's a womanizer. He misuses alcohol. He kills a man in a moment of passion. At the same time, observers cannot deny the evidence that Sonny is a true believer in Jesus Christ. 
He preaches the new birth and is committed to the power of the Holy Spirit in order to live a supernatural life. Sonny, like most of us, is a complex individual. He's a zealous, committed Christian whom we admire, and yet he is also terribly inconsistent. Most painful, perhaps, is his lack of awareness of the harm that will come from appearing to be more than he really is. In some ways, he is an imposter. He easily compartmentalizes his faith and spirituality from the totality of his humanity. Most of us in the Christian leadership and in the church can relate to him more than we would like to admit. The author of this book says, The gaps in Sonny's Christian life undermine his message and his leadership. I wish this were only Hollywood. It is not. Unfortunately, too many similar examples abound in real life. You know, in our churches, there's many people passionate for God, and yet we remain disconnected from our own emotions and those around us. You know, and some of those people are us. You know, maybe we have had tough stuff happen in our lives, in our pasts. You know, for many of us, our family situations have not always been easy. And none of us have a perfect family. No human is perfect, and therefore no family is perfect. But part of growing up is acknowledging this and engaging what is going on with our souls, with our mind, our will and emotions. That takes a lot of courage. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. And we need to choose to engage our will. You know, we can't do this alone. I've said this many times before. We need each other. That's why one of our values in community is community with one another. And that's why we try to create space for it in life groups. That's another wee plug there to sign up. I couldn't resist putting that in. And if you're not convinced about that, just ask someone who's been part of a group and has formed meaningful relationships and talk to them about it. You know, it says here, we were created male and female in the image of a triune God, built by love, in love and for love, called into existence by a personal God who is love within a triune community. So that which most links us with the living God, the soul, links us with our neighbor and the Christian community. If we're going to be courageous and we're going to grow up, then we need to do it together. So we need to engage our will, engage with God and his word. It says here in Hebrews, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, the word of God is living and active. It's not just an historical book. It exposes us and who we are. And as we engage with the word, it penetrates to dividing soul and spirit. So when we've got stuff going on in our lives, you know, there's sometimes I wonder, do we need to ask ourselves, is this a spiritual problem or is this a soul problem? You know, are some of our problems in the realm of our choices and in our soul, in our soul choosing, the things that we operate in our mind, will and emotions? You know, we need to think in new ways. You know, like I said before, the enemy, you know, it says in the Bible, he comes to steal, kill and destroy. He wages war against our soul. And if we don't transform the way we think, we can make choices that have far-reaching consequences. And I'm sure all of us have examples of that. When out of, you know, negative thinking, we've done things or said things that are not helpful to us in the long run. 
And you know, sometimes I think in the church, maybe we bypass the responsibility of the soul to hoping to get a quick fix in the spirit, you know, almost like if we just get zapped, you know, if I just pray about that, it'll go away and that's it. You know, and don't get me wrong, don't hear me wrong there. I believe wholeheartedly we need God by his spirit to change things. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God to bring life and hope and change and to transform us from the inside out. But we have a part to play in it. We need to engage our souls, our mind, our will and emotions. You know, our spirit cries out yes to God, but we need to align our souls with that as well. And maybe that explains some of the tension that we find within ourselves. Maybe, you know, we compartmentalize a bit our body, our soul, and our spirit. And part of growing up is to look inside a bit and understand ourselves better as a whole and to bring those parts together more congruently. And, you know, the guy that I read out in the story, that's a pretty massively extreme example of not doing that, of separating those things out and not bringing them together. You know, so to understand this a bit better, to draw it together, I just thought we should look at the person who's always our best example, and that's Jesus. Um, you know, some people say to me, you know, look, I'm just not really an emotional person. You know, that's just not me. I just don't show my emotions. And um, I am quite an emotional person, as you might have gathered. And to me, I just think, I'm sorry, like, you must be a robot then, because we all have emotions. But maybe we're just very good at hiding them or burying them or not displaying them. And I'm not saying that we all have to go weeping and wailing over each other, but I do think, you know, we need to um, engage with our emotions. And we see here so many examples of Jesus expressing his emotion with unashamed, unembarrassed freedom. He shed tears. He was filled with joy. He was grief-stricken. He was angry. Sadness came over him. He felt compassion. He felt sorrow. He showed astonishment and wonder. He was distressed. You know, so we all know that being part of a Christian is becoming more like Jesus. And if we grow up, we need to become more like him. That means engaging with our emotions and to aim to be emotionally healthy. And I've been reading a bit about this um, recently. And um, this book I've been reading, the guy says, we can't be spiritually healthy unless we're emotionally healthy. And that's a real challenge, you know. And we see here, Jesus wasn't an emotionally frozen messiah. And um, just want to look at one specific example. Um, consider Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So here we see a fully human Jesus. It says here, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be, to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus here is fully human. You know, we could say he's emotionally depressed, he's mentally confused, and he's spiritually overwhelmed. He is being pushed to the very edge of his human limits. And we see in the, um, he falls to the ground. And actually in Luke's version of this, it says, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So can you imagine like what was going on in Jesus' body if 
actual physical sweat, drops of blood were fallen to the ground. And in this version, in, in Matthew in verse 38, he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. What he's saying there is my mind, will and emotions, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. And here he's coming under complete soul pressure that could have altered his destiny, that could have changed everything. You know, his destiny, we know, it was to go to the cross. It was to suffer for our sin because he loved us so much and he was willing to die for us that we might have life. And it says in this passage, he went on a little further. He fell face down and he said, yet not as I will, but you will. And it's interesting to me that when he feels that crushed, when he feels completely overwhelmed, what's his response? His response is to go to the Father. And sometimes that happens to us. Life comes, something terrible happens. We're overwhelmed by sadness, pain, or pain from the past just keeps coming and coming and coming. And sometimes, you know, we shut God out. We don't let him in. Jesus' response is to go to the Father. We need to go to him. And we see here as well, you know, Jesus did try to rely on his friends. He relied on, on the disciples, but they kept falling asleep. They were actually letting him down. And I said earlier, we need people. We need to do this together. But sometimes people will get it wrong. They'll not do what you need them to do. But God's love doesn't change. God's love is always there. You know, Jesus needed to surrender his soul, his mind, his will, and his emotions so that he wouldn't be hijacked at the place of his destiny. And for us here today, for us to live whole lives, to move in our destiny with God, to do the things he has for us, we need to engage with our soul. We need to allow God's word to penetrate our hearts and we need to surrender our soul to align our spirit with his. You know, in this life, we will have trouble. It's, becoming a Christian doesn't mean all your problems go away. We are tempted, we are weakened, things come along. It says in this part of that passage, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. As I said, as we live for God, our enemy comes against us. You know, I'm on our course, Andrea said to us, you know, when you step out for God, the devil's going to try and, and draw you back. And she said, at every new level, there's a new devil. That always struck with me, that when we step out in faith to to do the things God has for us. There's a new devil, there's a new temptation, there's a new weakness, there's a new thought that's going to try and hold us back and stop us. So we need to ask ourselves, well, what's my weak spot? What's our weak spot? Where am I struggling with weakness in my soul? Mentally and emotionally, what have I absorbed? What, have, what am I believing that's not healthy, that's not even true? You know, are we living consumed by fear, anxiety? Are our thoughts persistently ones like, I'm not good enough, I need to please everyone, people wouldn't like the real me? You'll all know what that negative thought is for you. What choices are we making out of those negative thoughts and emotions that aren't healthy, that aren't good for us? Are we living out of that or are we living out of the truth of how God sees us? You know, Jesus himself understood what you're going through if your mind's in that turmoil he felt that despair he felt that anguish he was afraid and in in his mind his body and his emotions we see it in that passage but again and again his response was to come to the father he engaged his will with him he aligned his spirit with the spirit of god 
You know, part of growing up is knowing ourselves better. We know who we are when, like Jesus, we come to God the Father. We hear what he says about us and when his love and truth penetrates our mind and emotions. Um, and I wanted to tie this together this morning by sharing something special with you. Um, someone in our church had a dream last week which they shared with me and if you're thinking dream wacko what is she on about remember last week Phil shared about Joseph how God spoke to him in dreams and in the New Testament in Acts chapter 2 it talks about God pouring out his spirit and men dreaming dreams so get over the dream thing okay God speaks through dreams um, so this person has had a difficult time but I believe very courageously they're choosing to journey that with God and other people. They're not burying or running away from their pain and their emotions and their thoughts that come to their mind, but they're trying to align their body, soul, and spirit as they get to know God more with him. They're putting themselves in a position where they can grow up. So in this person's dream, they saw two Pringles tubes. One had negative thoughts and lies, and in bits of paper, they opened the tube. It wasn't Pringles, it was bits of paper. Um, and one of them, the tubes, was full of negative thoughts and lies that had been said to them, like, you're worthless, etc., etc. But the other tube, when they opened it and took out the bits of paper, it was full of God's truth and promises, which he was speaking over that person's life and which he speaks over all of us. So... Um, here I have a tube, which is like the tube in the dream. And I'm going to need some volunteers. Um, this is near the end, by the way. So I've written down in bits of paper all the promises that that person felt that God was sharing with them and speaking over them. And there's quite a lot here, so I'd really like some of you to help me. What I'm going to get you to do is come out, take a piece of paper. They're all incredibly short. Just say what the promise is. Um, Elaine's got blue tack. Go down to the back get a piece of blue tack, stick the paper on that back wall kind of in a clump um, and I want us to see what the promises are that God speaks over us so go for it right come on a few people come on you'll never be alone you're worth dying for my love for you is alive. You are heard. You are worthy. You are wanted. There's loads more, come on. I will fulfill you. I am always here. You can trust me. I will be, I will be your strength. I'll, I'll keep you safe. I will fight for you. You are loved. I will never let you down, ever. You are beyond good enough. There's more, guys. Come on. You can do it again if no one else has come. My love for you is real and pure. I'll walk with you. I will restore you. 
to me, you are irreplaceable. You are amazing. There's more. I am your father. I will protect you. You are celebrated. I can put the pieces back together. You are my one and only. I love you unconditionally. There's more. You were beautifully made. To me, you are special. I will catch you. You are mine. There's more. I forgive you. There's more, guys. I want to read them all. You are inspiring. I will teach you. I will provide for you. My love for you is all consuming. You are perfect to me. Three more. I will heal your wounds. My love for you is never-ending. You are remarkable. Okay. I just think that's amazing. That one person heard God speak those promises over their life. And they're the promises that God speaks over all of us. It's not just for that person. So, um, oops. I still need that. Has <laughs> it turned off? Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. Okay, this is me done, okay. So. work. Help. <laughs> I just need the next slide. That one. Oh, sorry, that one. Sorry. Okay. So, yeah. So, sorry, everything, my friend in England used to say to me, everything that God says comes with an RSVP attached, so we need to respond, okay? So, um, what are the, this, I'll try to give you a wee takeaway, like Paul did a couple of weeks ago, what is this week's top takeaways? Um, ask God to show you this week the areas in which you need to grow up. How can you align your body, soul, and spirit with God's Holy Spirit and walk in step with him? And as I said before, that takes courage. That involves choice. Ask him to help you. 
Um, I thought if we all prayed this verse every day, God would really speak to us. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, okay? And um, whenever you're going out um, at the end, um, look at those things pinned up on the wall. Which of those promises resonated most with you? Which of them did you most need to hear today and over your life? You know, choose one of them and think about it each day this week. You know, I'll maybe post some verses that are related to those on our Facebook page. And just pick one thing and meditate on it. Store it up in your heart. Let it be your treasure this week from God's word that he speaks over you. How can you grow up to be more physically, emotionally and spiritually healthy? And let's do this together. Let's do it together as individual people, but as a church in our life groups. Let's spur each other on to grow up so that we can really truly say together, it is well within my soul. Okay. Why don't we stand together? Okay, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just pray that you would come now by your Holy Spirit. We do say you're welcome here. When we say we need you, we need your Spirit, God. It takes courage um, to grow up. It takes courage to step into the things that you want us to change. It takes courage to bring those painful emotions to you, God. Sometimes it's hard to even to bring them to God the Father. But Lord, we want to be like Jesus. We want to bring our stuff to you, our pain, our emotions, where it hurts. So God, we're asking for you to help us. Come, Lord Jesus.